Public service announcement. I have just temporarily closed the doors to Lifestyle Business School. If you are a current or aspiring expertise-based business that has a business, courses, coaching, masterminds, where you are divorcing your value from your time, or that is the business model that you want, you likely know that Lifestyle Business School is the program that I have been tirelessly working on over the last six months to build out six comprehensive playbooks, which basically lay out the entire path. It has everything from business model design to offer creation, to back-end delivery, to driving traffic, live launch campaigns, automated campaigns, everything you could possibly need to start or grow a leveraged expertise-based business to the lifestyle business sweet spot. Now, never fear because we've only temporarily closed the doors and we have added a wait list. So if you head to lifestylebusiness.school forward slash join, pop your name on the wait list and you are going to be notified when we open up the doors with everything built out, which is super exciting. And all of the exciting changes that we have made to the program as well, which we will share in due course. But in order to get the special VIP bonuses, when we do open the door, I want you to go and pop your name on the wait list now. So that is going to be lifestylebusiness.school forward slash join, put your name on the wait list, and you will be the first to be notified when we open up the doors with everything built out with a lot of exciting changes and with pretty much the best deal under the sun. All right, let's get into today's podcast episode. Want to know exactly what you need to do to create a profitable, sustainable small business? Of course you do. And that's what we're discussing in today's podcast episode. If you've got big business dreams, but you're feeling stuck when it comes to all things social media, digital and content marketing, this is the podcast for you. And if you like free stuff, well, I've got you sorted there as well. Head over to steviesayssocial.com slash littleblackbook now to steal my little black book of social media secrets. You're listening to the Stevie Says Social podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 69 of the Stevie Says Social podcast. I am, as always, your host, Stevie Dillon, and I am here again giving you the social media, online marketing, digital marketing good stuff. And I'm actually pretty excited about today's episode. I'm chatting to a good human, first and foremost, Angela Henderson, but she's also the founder of the highly successful online store Finley and Me, and currently a business consultant where she partners with startup and small businesses to grow their brands through hands-on support and ensuring, and this is what I love, the foundations of their business are laid in order to really leverage growth. Now, her skills were really honed at the helm of Finley and Me, and she learned everything from branding to PR to sales funnels to email marketing. I could go on, but she really truly knows what it takes to have a strong brand consistent sales and steady growth. Now, the reason why I needed to have Ange on the podcast today is because 
she has a framework for you guys that I think will be really helpful. What we talk about in this episode are the seven pillars that you need in order to have a profitable business. Now, I'm not going to go through all of them now because we will be discussing them in order and in quite a lot of detail. But what I will say is if you want a summary of these seven pillars and exactly what they are so that you can print them out or have them on your computer, refer to them and actually implement what you learn in this episode, Head over to steviesayssocial.com forward slash 69 and you can download them there and they will go straight to your inbox. How good is that? All right, I'm going to dive straight into this week's episode, guys, but make sure if you enjoy it to subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll be notified every single Tuesday when new episodes drop. I hope you enjoy it. Let's go. Hey, Ange, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello, Stevie. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. It is uh, school holidays at time of recording and uh, just come back from Vietnam. So I'm a bit refreshed and uh, excited. But uh, as many of your listeners who may have kids, you know, it's uh, it, the, the juggle is real the last couple of yes. days. <laughs> so, I'm hearing yes. that from everyone at the moment. It just seems like, yeah, <laughs> I haven't I've obviously gotten to that stage yet. But yeah, I can imagine if you've got the little kidlets at home for a couple of weeks, you're not getting much work done, right? So no. Uh-uh. So like I said, we were in Vietnam for two weeks and we came home. They had been in vacation care, but they were home today. And I quickly said to the husband, I was like, you do know I've got one recording of a podcast with Stevie I said and I'm recording two of my own I was like so basically you need to get them out of the house for the rest of the day and he's like Keep really he's like he's like you could have told me this before and I was like well that's just how we're gonna have to roll today so yeah, <laughs> it's quite now so I just prepare your audience in the event they start to hear screaming in the background it means they've, they've come home for a snack or something so duh, just an FYI life, right? <laughs> totally <laughs> Uh, I'm so excited to talk to you today because um, very selfishly, I often have guests on my podcast that I feel are relevant to where I'm at in my business. And what we're talking about is basically the seven profit pillars that help to create a sustainable and profitable business. And it's the beginning of the new financial year. And I feel it's like it's all very relevant to me. So um, why don't you tell everyone a little bit before we get into it about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. No, that'd be awesome. I guess I always start with, you know, before we get into the nitty is that, listen, I'm a proud Canadian, like really, really proud. Uh, you know, some people may think I'm American, no offense to the Americans, but I am super Canadian, very proud. You know, that Canadian flag uh, is always, Canada will always be home. The thing you need to know is that I Canadians love- Canadians and Australians always get along so well, hey? We do. I think there's a lot of similarities just with, I guess, our countries, culture, everything. So yeah, so, you know, married an Australian. Uh, he's from Tassie. Again, don't hold any of that against me. I'm from Tassie. You are too? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I won't hold that against you either then. So yeah, we're good. <laughs> Best place in the world. Thank you very much. <laughs> but it is a very beautiful place. So yeah, so married a Tasmanian. Uh, what else is there? But again, proud Canadian. I also love Nutella. It is kind of like my go-to thing. It is funny, you know, people now when I am at speaking events actually send me, you know, Nutella hoodies or a jumper. Uh, I get jars of Nutella sent to me. So again, I really love Nutella. So I've got two beautiful kids, Finley John, who is nine, and Chloe Glenella, who is six. I also love the color pink, a little bit of sparkle and glitter in there. So that's kind of like the fun side of Angela Henderson. There's still a lot of other fun sides. And then from a business 
background is I started my first business nine years ago, which was called Finley and Me. And it was an e-commerce platform. At one stage, we had about 1400 different baby products and educational tools that we were selling. And it was all about creating childhood memories through play, love and travel. And that was a super fun business. And it was really relevant at the time with my kids being small and just, you know, super little. Uh, And then from uh, that business, I also then looked at how we could increase our different monetary streams. And I became one of Australia's leading parenting bloggers working with companies like Netflix, Pino Cruises, and a variety of other national and international brands. So that was a really fun experience, you know, going to some Netflix gigs, you know, when working with them, which was like, you know, it's cool to have on your little resume list, I guess, to say that you worked with Netflix. So that was fun. Yeah. And then, like, you know, I tell, you know, when I speak, and you've heard this also, is that it was a couple months had gone past, and I looked in my diary, and I think, again, there was about 14 different catch-ups I had with people, and they wanted to pick my brain, and I slowly was like, well, hold on a minute, I had this aha moment, I was like, wait a minute, I'm driving there and back, and I'm giving the, you know, my free time. And I'm, again, anyone who knows me knows I'm a huge giver. So I have no problem with giving. But it was just one of those aha moments where I was like, hold on, you know, 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back, an hour with the person. They said they were going to buy me a coffee. I don't drink coffee. Then I was buying my own Diet Coke. And then I was like, hold on, I actually should, I could, if I were to charge these people, I could have a consulting business. Like I, you know, with my, yeah. with my background and my knowledge. So anyways, that's how Angela Henderson Consulting started. It was just all of a sudden I had the aha moment after meeting with all these people over two months. And that was about three years ago. And since then, yeah, now I'm a business consultant and I work specifically with women in business to develop the foundational strategy that they need to be able to grow a sustainable and profitable business. And uh, yeah, it's super fun. I love it. So do you know, uh, this has just come to me now, but I think I first came across you at, and I was still working in corporate at this stage, the Pro Blogger Conference in Brisbane. Yeah. Were you speaking at that? Yeah, that's actually where, as you know, our mutual friend of ours, James Shrimko, that's when I first met James was at Pro Blogger when I was speaking there. Yeah, yeah, if you, uh, less than, yeah. yeah it was less than two years ago because I'm actually bringing up in, that, in my podcast with James today. So yeah. Yeah. And did you have, you didn't have the consultancy then, did you? I had just started, do you mean dabbling into things, right? So like, you know, but it wasn't like, I didn't have a website. I didn't have, like, there was none of that, right? Right. And so, yeah, and it was just like, it just fed into that. So yeah, so it's interesting how opportunities, you know, just there's sometimes you can, do you think you've got your five-year plan or your one-year plan, but sometimes things just happen and you just kind of run with it. And I think that's, you know, winging it in the world of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I just think it's so valuable as well. There's, I've got a bit of a bee in my bonnet at the moment with the number of business coaches out there that are teaching without never, you basically never having done what they've taught. And I just think it's such a nice natural progression for you to have gone through having a successful business and then people coming to you and saying, hey, can you help me out? And then actually teaching what you've done before. 100%. Listen, and I think, I mean, it's business coaches. I think it's in any field. But and I think you and I are right in the space that we're in at the moment, you know, in different groups and different whatever, like I'm seeing, oh, I'm a business coach. I'm a business coach. I'm a business consultant. And then, you know, when I kind of go, okay, well, that's great. But what's your background? And I guess it's, you know, a little bit of a side note before we get into the podcast stuff is that really, at the end of the day, you have to do your homework, you really do about business coaches. And so I do believe and we'll talk about that in order to be successful, you do 
need eventually someone, whether or not, and when I say team, it doesn't necessarily mean a VA that's doing your work, a team that's going to be there to hold you accountable, um, a team that's going to help you with getting clarity and strategy behind what you need in order to grow that sustainable and profitable business. But you've got to do your homework. I can't tell you how many women I speak with every single week, or also in my role as I'm a business mentor with the state government of Queensland, that, you know, people are getting burned left, right and center. So um, I actually have a a blog article I wrote about the five, five biggest mistakes to avoid when hiring a coach. And in some of those things, what I do is I talk about like stock the shit out of them. Like literally, you should be able to go on to like Google and type in Angela Henderson, and you should be able to see me starting to come up on podcasts. You should see my images in the image section. You should be able to go to the, you know, their Facebook page and see reviews and testimonials and that they're active or going to LinkedIn or Instagram. Like a good business coach, in my opinion, or a business consultant should be seen because that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They're increasing their profile to help these businesses to grow. So if they're not being seen, there's got to be a few red flags going on. Totally. Now, again, I'm not saying that they have to be seen on every platform. They're probably choosing one minimal to, you know, of where their ideal client is. But ultimately, you should be able to see them. You should also be checking, like, have you actually ran your own business before? Yeah. I do get a lot of questions because my first business was an e-commerce business. And you know, when they talk about niching down, are you a business coach for to help e commerce or both? 50% and sometimes 60 40. But because I've also now run a successful service based business, I am able to service both of those people because of my skill set now. So I have it niched down to just e commerce or just service based. But again, my track record will show that I've got two successful businesses on either of those platforms. So you need to be able to look at someone's history and do the work because when you invest in a coach, you ultimately have to take also 100% responsibility of that working relationship. And that 100% of responsibility starts before you even hire them. So ask questions, stock away. Yeah, I just, I couldn't agree more. It's wild at the moment. It seems like it's, I don't know, seems like it's a little bit of the Wild West. I do. I do. And there's, I feel like they're popping up everywhere. Or there's the life coaches, which are great, you know, for you life coaches out there. But uh, but then there's some life coaches I'm seeing that their skill set um is now bleeding into mm. like a strategist, but I'm like, hold on again. So I also think that you need to be mindful about where your role starts and where your role ends. Mm. Um, and that, you know, you're not actually doing anyone justice. I also think that for those business coaches out there that not only can you potentially mess up people's businesses really, really bad from a financial point of view, but also from a mental health and a psychology point of view. These women, you know, when you work with someone, you're emotionally invested with working with these people. And, uh, you know, it can really, uh, you know, increase people's anxiety and or depression. So I think, you know, there's a duty of care, not just financially and from a business strategy point of view, but from someone's overall well-being. So again, you know, when you hire a business coach, make sure that you do, you know, you go and do your own research and ask as many questions as you need to ask to speak with the ex clients, you know, of people, uh, you you know, that type of stuff you can't fake. Yeah. yeah. I see it in social media as well. Like there's so many people in social media that are just like basically educating people based on other people's learnings. And they're just like, I don't know, just basically spouting out the same things. And, 
professing to be experts in Facebook ads and, you know, like it's a really dangerous game to be playing with because you're playing with people's money and their business and it makes me really sad that people can't see it. But anyway. And I also think, though, that like, you know, you've got like, say, an Instagram specialist, a Facebook specialist, etc. But also even with business coaches, it's such a broad term. Yeah. So there are people who will say that, yes, I'm a business coach, but actually they're a business coach for finances, right? So their, their zone of genius is really much about, do you know what I mean, numbers. As me as a business coach, because of my two businesses, I've made it my business to take SEO courses, do you know, like a whole variety of courses. Now, it's not, I will never do my clients SEO. I will never do my clients, uh, say, Google Analytics. I will never do their Facebook ads. But I know a shit ton about each of those moving parts that make a successful business. And I've got the connections to refer to those people that I think it is important that when you're working with someone, know what their specialty is. So again, I'm all about that foundational element. If you came to me and you were like making a million dollars, I'd say, ah, that's probably out of my scope. Let me refer you to someone else. Mm. So again, really know where your where your zone of genius is and make sure that you let those potential people know about it and, and ask questions. So let's talk about, I guess, some of the mistakes that small businesses make when they're first starting out. So I'm guessing that people come to you when they're like, ah, oh, what do I do? I'm at a certain point and I feel like I'm not getting anywhere. Yeah. Is that right? And then what do you see are like the biggest kind of mistakes that they're making at that point? I guess for me is, first of all, the majority of women that I work with are all so smart and they actually know what they need to do. They just don't know the how to's. And that's where I come in to kind of guide them, support them and walk them along. But even before that, it's like, and they don't give themselves credit for actually what they do know. And what happens though, and this is where I believe that kind of where small businesses struggle to survive is that they're actually just lacking the clarity on what actions need to be taken. You know, so most businesses, probably even you and including me, you know, we jump into their business, I mean, head first. Uh, we're excited about what we're doing. There, uh, we're overwhelmed at some stage. Uh, we don't know what we don't know to move our business forward, but we just keep chasing our tail. So, I guess one of the number one reasons why businesses struggle to survive is that they're lacking clarity on what actions that they need to take. Uh, mm-hmm. The second reason that I've seen over my years of doing this is that why businesses struggle to survive is that they're, you know, succumbing to that shiny object syndrome. We all have it, but it's like really in those infancy stages. I see a lot of business owners that come to me that they're jumping from one freebie to the next or one idea to the next or and it's just like this back and forth. And it's kind of like, um, you know, businesses, they're moving so fast, but they're not really getting anywhere because they're just they just keep jumping. So again, because they're lacking the clarity and then they're getting shiny object syndrome, that strategy and clarity just keeps like it's, it's, there's, it's not there and it needs to be, you know, uh, I guess cohesive and brought back together. They're easily distracted by that shiny object syndrome. And again, but ultimately, I see that all the time with digital marketing, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, as the new thing comes out or like the new platform or the new whatever. And they're like, Oh, should I be doing this? And then also this, and then also this. And it's like, oh my gosh, no, like, you know, you would need five of you to do that many things. 100%. And what ultimately happens, I see when the women that come for my support is that again, it's also leading to burning out on their budget, because they keep going from one thing to the next thinking that they need this. And it also is really, um, 
burning out, like just burnout collectively, right? So like their brain power capacity, their motivation, their everything, they're just like, because they've just gone from one bouncing. It's like a ball. You can only bounce so long before you start to get tired. And then when the business owners that come to me, again, there is a little bit of that too. So again, so the second struggle and reason, you know, that businesses are, are, are having a hard time surviving is that they're just, you know what I mean? They're not doing one thing well or finishing one thing. They keep bouncing around. The other thing that I really see businesses and gosh forbid we talk about it is that that they struggle to survive is that they're treating social media like a safety net. Um, a lot and it's a dangerous, <laughs> dangerous game is that, you know, I still see it so many times. I've, I had one person this week that wants some help from me and they're all their platforms, they sell all on Instagram and all on Facebook and they're still doing okay. But the problem there is, is if with the algorithms changing, if Facebook closed down their Instagram and Facebook um, pages, they wouldn't have a business. And so one of the yeah. reasons, again, and I see it weekly is that small businesses struggle to survive because again they're treating social media like that safety net and they need to you know they yeah need to change or they're focusing like what I see a lot is that you know businesses are told that they need to get into social media because they come to me at this yep. point right so they're kind of like I need to be doing this or they've been trying for a while they're not really getting any traction and they're like obsessing over it so like obsessing over their engagement on Instagram and then I'm like so cool what is that going to do in terms of helping your business what do you have in terms of like you know an instagram sales funnel or a system for actually selling and they're kind of like oh yeah and so you can be doing as much you know as you want at what i call the top of the funnel so like you know warming people up getting people to know you blah 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 but if you don't have a framework behind it then you know you're wasting your time what does that mean 100%. Oh, like you said, they're looking at numbers, you know, ver- well, if you can have a million followers on Instagram, but if they're not going to buy from you, what does that million people do? You know what I mean, what does that mean? Yeah, you know, totally not a lot. And then I guess, uh, Stevie, the last real big reason that I have found that small businesses struggle to survive is that they're doing it alone. Um, you know, the Instagram memes continue to say things like hustle harder, you know, do this, do that, you know, um, but going it alone uh, is only going to take business owners so far. And so I guess to me is that in order to not, do you know what I mean, fail in business is that you need a safe and supportive community around you, uh, not only just to lift you up, but to just to cheer you on and, and also call out your BS excuses because there's a lot of times in business that I think we tell ourselves we're doing good things or we ask family and friends who actually don't give a shit about your <laughs> business. So um, <laughs> and, you know, it's like, hello, whereas a, a strong, safe and supportive community working with people who actually know what they're doing are going to not only yeah, help you out from an emotional point of view, but also, you know, call you out and, uh, yeah, you know, get you thinking, you know, on your own two feet about a few things. So, yeah, those are my yeah, five, four main reasons. I think that's really interesting, like the whole, I've actually found this a lot, like since starting a business, like your community, like your cheer squad really changes in terms of the people that you lean on for support for different things. So you obviously still have your family and your friends as, you know, like your near and dear, but you really do need to have, and I've really found like complete lifesaver for me has been those business friends that I've got and the community of people that I've built around me that 
you know, if I've got a question about something to do with online business or just something to do with like the struggles of business, I can contact them and they get it. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. And it's, and the other thing is, is that even in business, as you grow, those business relationships will change too, you know, um, yeah. that like you, you might be able to grow really quickly or scale. And it's not like you stop being friends with these people, but then your conversations are different because you're at different stages, right? So I think yeah. it's, you know, you're always looking to, yeah, do you not just going to get friends and ditch them but you're you're looking to surround yourself by those people that are going to help you grow I also think that it's important to give people or to give yourself permission to know that sometimes you've got to let people go too um and that you know toxic relationships whether or not that's at, at home and family or business sometimes if it's not serving you anything it's kind of like a friend of mine Lisa Cordova talks about having rocks in your pocket the more rocks you have in the pocket you're going to weigh you down sometimes you got to flick some of those rocks off do you know what I mean to free you and to help you move forward um so you know be mindful about that not all relationships also are going to be positive for you and sometimes yeah, Yeah, people who you thought were your friends, um, even family members. Like uh, I'll have a few family members that will say things like, "Oh, well, it's nice that you went on holiday again," or "Oh, you did, like just kind of passive aggressive remarks." Um, so there's just a few things that I now know. Do you mean that I yeah. just don't talk to people about? Right? Like obviously they're still going to know I'm going to go on holiday, but I might not bring it up. Right? Like I might let them find out about it because I just don't want to have to hear. Mm. Do you know what I mean those comments? And it comes down to again, people get jealous of what you have and what they don't have. Uh, people will feel threatened by you, whatever that is. But remember, that's not baggage you need to hold on to. Yeah. That's their baggage. Um, so, yeah. You, you know, yeah, give yourself permission that sometimes maybe during this your phase of business that you're going to have to let people, you know what I mean, go or just kind of, you know, not interact as much because it's about keeping you healthy. And it kind of happens, I think, like it has to happen in some ways I've found when you just don't have the time that you used to have anymore. So like it almost happens naturally. You really have to prioritize the things that are important to you. And, you know, like those sometimes, you know, the relationships that don't really serve you, it's not like it's even a conscious thing, but you just don't have the time to invest in them. Totally. And there's a thing called, I don't know, I think it may have been Emma Isaacs from the Business Chicks, her new book, Winging It, where she talks about the four burner theory. And, you know, also, and I know this is slightly different, but kind of similar is that she talks about like, if you think of a stove and you've got four burners and you've got business, life, family, yep. and self, I think it is. And what she's saying is it, to have a successful business is three burners can yeah. be going at all times. You'll be successful, you'll rock and roll, but to be super successful, you'll normally only have two burners going. And it's not even her theory. It's like a theory that's been around for years. But when I research it, like no one can actually name who came up with this theory. It's really interesting. Everyone's like, I don't know where this has come from. But it, it, it is true. So sometimes too, it's just like when you're going through your own growth stage, Friends mm. might go, well, hi, why have they pulled back? Like, what's going on here, right? But And so sometimes you also have to assess where you're at and, uh, you know, what burners are going. Uh, and for me, you know, I I don't have a lot of time to spend with my own family, right? So when I do spend time with my family, it is quality time. So it's like, if I hardly get to spend time with my own family, why am I going to go hang out with someone who's just going to be passive aggressive and bring me down the whole time? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah, I've really found that as well. Like I've really had to, and I'm not even like, I've been probably really lucky that I haven't had anything like that, but like, it really is just, <laughs> I don't have time to spend with my partner and he lives in the same house as me. 
let alone (laughs) I mean anyone else so it really is like prioritizing I don't know that's just really relevant to me at the moment you know it is and as you know and you know once you start to add more to the family right it's like your priorities they get split even more because you've got other people that you've got to think of right so I think it it just I know uh yeah it's just something that you know for you listeners out there to be mindful of and that you know things will change relationships will change and that's okay all right as long as you're okay with that love it Do you want the complete roadmap for social media success? I'm talking a step-by-step, here is exactly how you do it framework designed to build your followers, your business, and your bank account. Of course you do. And if so, you're going to want to come and join me in the hashtags aren't the answer program. This is my signature program designed to get you real results on social media. It includes everything you need to succeed. For more information, head to steviesaysocial.com forward slash courses now. I want to go back to what we were talking about before with the social media side of things, because it's a little bit relevant to um, a lot of the listeners. And what I find is like, Mm -hmm. yeah, everyone seems to obsess over Instagram. They obsess over Facebook. They obsess over like the cool, sexy things, right? And I'm sure you see this as well, Ange, but what I want to talk to you about, because I know that you're an expert on this, is the importance of having a foundational structure that sits under those things if you want to have any level of sustainable success. Can you talk to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I guess, you know, in the, you know, with having both of the business, there's some common denominators that I have found. Um, And I call those the seven profit pillars, really, that are necessary to grow that business. But even before those pillars can go into place, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, many listeners will have heard the stories of the three little pigs, or they will have heard the story, or they've been, they either have heard it themselves, or they're telling it to their own kids. Whereas you've got, you know, the house that's made of hay, the house that's made of sticks, and the house that's made of bricks. Most businesses that come to me have a house that's made of hay or a house made of sticks, but it wouldn't take much for them to crumble because the foundational elements haven't been laid. They just quickly threw something up. Um, it's stable, it's standing, but again, it wouldn't take much for either that business to close, to collapse, a relationship to collapse, whatever. So I'm really big about when you're, you know, anywhere in business, I have, mm-hmm. I'm working with a plastic surgeon at the moment as one of my consulting clients and even him, like word of mouth has been a thing, but some of his foundational framework hasn't been really well. So we've gone back and stripped everything. So it's not just starting in business. It's also about looking at where you're at currently and are the foundations, are the bricks getting laid in order to know that if you have a baby, if you have a bad month, if you want to go on holiday, your business is still going to be structurally sound and safe and secure um, for your family, your finances, etc. So yeah, so I'm really big about looking at the seven profit pillars that are needed uh, to growing a sustainable and profitable business. And, and I'm happy to chat with that with you today. Yes. Where do we start? Where do we start? So obviously, you know, again, we want to build the house of bricks. And so to me, in order, there's kind of a method to my madness. And is that you really need to start with yourself. And I talk about the first profit pillar being your perfect profit profile. And what that really includes is that you really need to truly look at why are you doing your business? Because if you lose sight of your why, it's really going to be hard to stay motivated, uh, to understand who you're selling to, etc. So I want in that particular, uh, in order to 
to, to grow that business, really looking at that is what is your why. Also want you to be able to look at in order to build that profit, uh, perfect profit profile is that what is what are your values? You know, wh- why? Why do you do what you do? Is it? Yeah, and I can't say that. I can't say what that is for you, Stevie. I can't say that what that is for me. But what are your core values? Because your core values will start to be seen throughout the rest of your business. They'll be seen in your social media uh, posts that you do. They'll be seen on your sales page. They'll be the way you speak to people. Those values will come out. But a lot of times people lose those values. Another thing that I talk to people about is looking at their life collectively. Where are those values sitting at home, work, business, or the things that need to be switched up and changed? Because until you really start looking at your own inner self, having a business is going to be very hard to keep do you mean, uh, to keep going. And the last thing that I think... Yeah, and that's the stuff that people don't talk about, right? You know, like you get so caught up in the strategy around whatever it is that you don't actually kind of... And I'm actually really big on this in my program as well, like actually going, okay, but why am I actually doing why? this? You know, like what is it? Yeah, but even like to like your core values, it's also about like, you know, your brand voice, right? Your brand, part of your brand voice is going to be inclusive of what your values are. But so many people are too quick to jump to getting a social media handle and getting on Instagram and being obsessed with numbers that they forget about what the core of their business is. And that's where you start to see the foundation crumble. So really that perfect profit profile is about looking at your why, looking at your values, and also looking at your product. Because if you've got a shitty product, it doesn't matter. All right. Because like, it's it, it it doesn't it's not going to get you anywhere <laughs> and then also looking at who is your ideal client because part of your perfect profit profile is not only just about you but it's equally about who you're going to be selling to so really knowing who your ideal client is what ticks what doesn't tick for them because that's going to help do you mean with the other profit pillars as we go so again it's really about again building that first brick which is yeah you're building your perfect profit profile yeah There is so much that I love in that. I love the shitty product thing because I think that, um, and I keep going back to social media, digital marketing and stuff because it's what I do, right? But I just see all of the problems present itself there because a lot of the time, you know, people will say that the algorithms aren't working and X, Y, Z and blah, blah, blah. And generally it's got nothing to do with any of that. And it's got to do with the fact that, they haven't actually researched their market. They're trying to talk to everyone and they haven't niched down and that is a huge one. And they're not kind of communicating their story and they're just trying to do this direct sell, which is what you do when you don't understand your why and that sort of thing. And that doesn't work anymore. So, you know, like I just find that a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the problems present itself in you know, blaming the tools for not having the way that they're showing up on those tools clear in the first place. And that all comes down to what you've just spoken about. And I also think, again, you know, th- it can be taken one step further is that people are happy to blame the tools, but people are also forgetting that, again, in order to have a successful business, it, the, the responsibility comes down to you. So if a freaking tool's not working, hmm. do something, right? Like you have to change your strategy. All right. You've got to change your marketing plan. Like, and so again, you can sit in the gloom and doom 
or you can shift your mindset and go, I'm going to do this. At the end of the day, as a business owner, you've got choices. Choose to be one of those Debbie Downers who are going to be on social media whinging or choose to be proactive and take action. Figure it out. Like I'm pretty like, I don't have a lot of time for the bullshit, right? Because I'm just kind of like, there's so much energy that goes into looking at what could be happening. Yeah, I would love for Facebook to go back to how it used to be when I had like 70,000 fans on my other on my first business, like it was easy to get fans. But they too are running a business. So like Facebook needs to make you know what I mean, their stockholders happy, their Mm -hmm. share people happy. And they need to do that by us paying to get in front of audience. So I just kind of like, again, you know, go big or go home, you know, and I guess Mm -hmm. that's what people start seeing about me is, I'm one of the sweetest, one of the most generous people you'll meet out there. But I'm also going to be a no bullshitter. Like I'm just like, I'll call that out. And so yeah, I think it's like, don't blame the tool actually kind of if you're pointing your one finger at Facebook, the three fingers that are pointing back are at you. So change it up. <laughs> That's good. I like it. So actually, I think this kind of leads into your second profit pillar, which is actually having a foundation under things like social media, which is your website, right? Right. So my next profit pillar is about architecting your profit ready website. And so again, as I said, one of the big mistakes that uh, businesses are one of the main reasons why businesses are failing is that they're too dependent on the social media platforms. And so to me is, is again, architecting your profit ready website. What I also want to make clear is that you can have a website and you can have a design team that's like, yeah, I can make you a pretty website. If you hear that ever as a pitch, run, do not sign a website development contract to say that it's going to be pretty. What you need is a website that is conversional. You need a website that is going to actually get people you sales back, right? To help you build a community. So when we look at architecting, you know, your pro- your profit ready website, you know, you only have six seconds from the time someone lands on your website to be able to tell them what you do, what problem you solve and how you're going to solve it. So if your website doesn't do that in six seconds, you need to be looking at, do you know what I mean? Changing that up, you know, also. Yeah. And there's so many people that are like sending traffic via whatever source to a website that's essentially a leaky bucket, right? All the time. Or they're like, you know, they're spending all this Mm. money on beautiful Facebook ads Mm. and Facebook is doing what it needs to do. It's driving the traffic to whatever it is that you have it going to. Mm. But then they're getting Mm. to this website and they're like, but now what? Your website is a map. It is a guide. And you are guiding this person who's got a problem on how to solve it. And if your website is leaky and it's not that roadmap, that's going to get them from point A to point B, which is again, getting them a sale. So either buying a product off of e-commerce or getting them into your, you know, your program is an example, then there's a problem. Also, I think, again, when you look at a conversional website, it's like there's so many key components that go underneath of that. So, you know, your about page needs to be really strong. Your call to action needs to be really strong. You should have an opt-in in there to help, do you know what I mean, with your sales funnel. You, you know, um, are you contactable? Uh, like, there's so many other things. And also, like, is there SEO? You know, I will see so many businesses come to me and they've got no copy on their on their website. They've got no SEO. And I'm like, well, how do you expect people to find you in Google? Oh, no, they'll find me on Facebook. And I'm like, that's my problem. Is if Facebook dried up tomorrow, 
And I'll say, do you know your short tail or long tail keywords? And they're like, what's that? You know? And so it's one of those things that again, when you, in order to build that sustainable and profitable business, you need to make sure that again, you've got a sturdy and solid website. That's not only going to make you money, but be working 24 hours a day, because that's the beauty about having a, a solid website is it's actually, if you're do solid SEO, people can find you any time of day. You're not reliant on your Facebook posts to drive people to your site. You're not reliable on your Instagram story to drive people to your site because it's a 24 7 do you know what I mean platform yeah so your website's actually like a traffic driver in itself yes and I actually really have got the benefit of that now and it's a couple of years into business but I've got you know tens of thousands of people coming for different keywords to my website completely aside from social media and you know, like I'll ask people, where did you find me and whatever, which all businesses should do. And more and more of them are saying Google search, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. And I think that comes down to as well, having for me, at least a really strong content strategy and, you know, making sure that every piece of content that I produce has the right keywords in there and all of that sort of thing. But that has been something that I'm so glad I focused on two years ago because I'm starting to reap the benefits of it now. Yep. And I had to learn, that was a big mistake that I learned early on with my first business, Finley and me. Again, you don't know what you don't know. You think you can throw some products online and that people will come. But eventually once I do mean started to really go, okay, if I'm going to, I need to know about SEO, I need to know about all this. It ended up because we had so many products at that stage in the year, I think it was going into year three, uh, year four, maybe is like, and again, you, again, you can see year three or four. So I've been doing it for a while. I've started to get wow. successful. I still didn't know what I need to do. It cost me 20,000 Australian dollars to get my site completely rehauled with SEO from start to finish because there were so many mm. products. So we had to look at what products were bringing in the most money, which had the the highest search engine. Don't do SEO on ones that weren't because it wasn't worth doing it. But you know, it was like, it was insane, right? But again, whereas if I would have done it at the beginning and invested at the beginning, little by little, I'm not saying you do it all at once. But again, then I would have known I would have been on top of it. And you brought up a good point too, which I guess is going to be part of profit pillar three is that your content, right? If you know what your SEO keywords are and what your ideal client from the first foundation profit that we laid is, is then you're going to be able to be found organically. And that naturally it's like a flow on effect. So let's just say it's a Instagram course and that's what you're, you're doing, Stevie. And you've written, you know, that one of the things that your people write, put into Google is, you know, Instagram course. And then you write a piece of content that is about Instagram course. And then you've got keywords that say Instagram course. Well, all roads is freaking leading back to Stevie. Okay. So the thing is, but, but people are forgetting that it's like, everything goes like a jigsaw puzzle. Like I said, it goes like building a house. You need all these pieces to come together. They all need to be speaking to each other. So yes. So profit pillar three is real, or sorry, profit pillar two is all about building that really profit ready website. Cause you need to have a home that is your yours that you control that Facebook doesn't control and that it can be open 24 hours a day yeah and that's converting like I see a lot of e-commerce businesses in particular they are running ads or actually they're nervous to run ads because they're not confident that they have well profit pillar one and profit pillar two sorted they're not confident enough in their own business and rightly so because they're not converting at you know whatever the percentage is, 2% or whatever it is that it needs to be converting at. And so, you know, it's almost like they've got their arms tied or their hands tied mm-hmm. because 
they're not getting anywhere on the social side. Yeah, and this is the thing though is yeah. a lot of you that are listening probably know that, that you know that and this is what the women that come to me, they're super smart. They know that their website mm. is shit. Yeah. But it's like in the how to's, you know, because you've got all these gurus out there saying, oh, you need a pretty website. No, you don't need mm. a freaking pretty website. All right. You need yeah. a conversional website. But because that's what everyone hears, they then get a designer that builds a pretty website who knows nothing about conversions and data stats. And therefore, like, they're no better off than they were yeah. without a website because now they've got, like, so all I'm saying is, again, it goes back to yeah. do your research. So if you're going to hire a web developer, you know, there's certain things that you should be asking them. Feel free to email me. Again, that would be a whole nother podcast episode, but I'm happy to, you know, walk, you know, any of your listeners through what you should be asking, what needs to be there, because there are certain things that your web developer, I'll give you an example. My, my web developer who's been with me for many, many years, Carl, he said to me, I don't have time to do your Angela Henderson consulting website. And he go, and I was like, but I need you to do it. I don't want anyone else to do it. He's like, Angela, literally I'm booked. I can't do it. He's like, but actually this will be a great exercise for you to connect with other people. And you then can also look at, um, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe referring people on to other, like for them to build the, your clients' websites later on. And I said, okay, great idea. I had, I had literally 50 plus people reach out to me saying they could build my website. I was super proud. Carl said, go and narrow down to the top 10. He can then look at some coding stuff on the back end without getting into their actual computer. He's like, and then I'll like, like if their stuff's coded well and they've done it, he's like, I'll give you like the tick of approval because I don't want you to get screwed over. So I was so pumped, narrowed them down from 50 down to 10. I then gave Carl my list. He said, I need to call you. So I was like, great. He's going to walk me through. He's like, Ange, I cannot on my heart... I love you to death. He goes, send you to any of these people. (laughs) He goes, so again, even though their website looked pretty, there was no SEO. There was no copy. The coding was horrible, whatever. He's like, I'll do your website. So all I'm saying is, it's like, so it's like after all that, but it was a lesson I learned, right? I didn't look at it. It was waste time. It was a lesson that I learned that again, I now know what better questions to ask, what mm. more to ask. And obviously, and just when in debt, send everything to Carl, because that's what I do. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so that's, um, but yeah, that's an example where too, I could have been burned if I didn't ask and know the right questions and have that support around me to be able to call out to people when I needed to. So yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So that leads us to three. So is three content? So three, yep. So it's the moneymaker map. And I guess there's a couple things here that we need to look at. And that's really about getting, getting clear on what's really important and where that you need to focus your marketing energies. And it's about focusing on those marketing energies to be able to deliver the best ROI for your business. Um, and so what we do here is we look at again about what's going to convert to sales or prospects and clients. And you're absolutely right. A component of, uh, profit pillar three, I call is the eco uh, is is making the money making ecosystem, and I look at mm. people's ecosystems and building it down to one. What is their free content that they're doing? What are their lower cost product products and their programs? Their mid cost and their high cost. So it's really about what is your ecosystem because you need an ecosystem in order to feed your clients or customers. Um, and not everyone is ready to buy from you at the beginning. So I guess within that ecosystem, that's where this content, what you're talking about, Stevie, comes in. And is that you know, you've got to keep your ideal client in mind when you're looking at the building this profit pillar, because so many people will forget their ideal client throughout 
the journey um, and they'll create content based on what they they want to create content on, but they're not creating content on for their ideal client. So to me, content marketing, you know, really needs to be tight here in this profit mm. pillar. There needs to be a strategy behind that. Um, and also about just assessing little things, Stevie, like, you know, a lot of your clients listen to podcasts. So some of your content is around podcasts. And again, when you do that profit pillar one about knowing your ideal client, you should be able to know how does your ideal client consume information? Is it via blogs? Is it via video on YouTube? Is it via, you know, a podcast? Because you shouldn't be creating content that's not going to meet the needs of your ideal client. Yeah. And then I think like he made a really good point around, I don't know, the content for content's sake side of things. And I think that this is something that, I don't know, you can so easily get on the content hamster wheel and, you know, decide that you're going to do one blog post a week and then you're doing it every week and then you're kind of like why on earth am I doing this nobody's reading it and then you kind of just give up altogether and that's pretty much the um that's pretty much what I see in terms of like the flow of how people start and I think mm-hmm. that you can probably and you could probably talk to this more and but like I think you can get over a lot of that by being really strategic with okay cool I'm going to do podcasts, for example, because I know that that's where my ideal client is hanging out. But more than that, I actually am going to map out my launches and promotions. And we were talking before we got on the podcast, I have just done this and I'm literally batching about 50 podcast episodes as we speak. But, um, you know, like making sure that your content fits in with what's going on in your business. So, you know, if you're promoting xyz in the month of june then making sure that all of your you know pillar content is related to that in some way exactly you know yeah and that's like where again that bigger strategy comes down right kind of like that year strategy what's happening in the year and then you fit your content pieces based around that but obviously the content that you're creating is still helping to solve that problem for your ideal client and get them closer Mm. to having micro conversions back to you to be able for the for you to be able to help them so it's just leading with value like you're helping people out so that when they actually do need help with whatever the thing is that's related to the content that you're producing then you know, you're the obvious choice, right? Because you've been helping yeah, And them. I kind of look at content marketing as, you know what I mean, um, in my opinion, all your content creation should really be created around, like I said, your ideal client and really focusing on the three main points, which is how does your ideal client consume the content? What struggles or problems are they currently going through? And what knowing what topics and interests that they really are interested in at the time. So what some people also do is that, say, for example, when I owned Finley and Me, it was an e-commerce platform. And so I couldn't just talk about all the time around the top 10 wooden educational toys. That gets old. But I knew my ideal client well enough that the moms that I that were buying for me, some of them also were suffering from do you mean loneliness and motherhood. So what I was able to do is I was able to also, so the topic that was interest was, do you know what I mean? Uh, the loneliness of motherhood. It's a real thing. I think it was something like that. Like we had tens of thousands of people hit that article, but again, we were then able to, that's right. 
capture them. And we'll yeah. talk about this in the next profit about building your email list. We were then were able to capture them because we were providing them content they want. They then started to trust me. And then through that, I was able to then start selling to them. So it doesn't necessarily have to be just all um, going home. Like I do, I talk about um, business burner burnout, right? So it's a, it's a real thing. And I talk about that too. So not everything has to be about selling something, but it's more about what is going to add value to your client, get them closer and start to build that trust and credibility. Yeah. I think it's a really important point because I think that there's so much talk about the importance of content and how you need to do it. But yeah, I definitely see that present itself in burnout and in just people not getting results. And I think they're missing that little piece, which is make sure you tie it into what you're doing. But to your point, Ange, also, it doesn't need to be literal. Like it doesn't need to be, okay, cool. I sell wooden toys. I'm going to write about everything to do with that because it's not necessarily what people are interested in. They're interested in the topics around what it is that your product or service is. Yeah. So that is an awesome one. If there's one takeaway that people take, guys, take this one because I know it's a big struggle for you. Yep. So, All right. So next profit pillar. The next one, I guess, and this is where we go into is, is that again, the profit pillar that I, that I think about is the turbo powered email list building. And again, as we talked about being dependent on social media platforms is I still am a firm believer that your email list building is one of the easiest ways um, for you to still own your own race course. And that is from, again, a dear friend of ours, James Remco, is that you own that list. Facebook yeah. doesn't own it. Instagram doesn't own it. You can get it in their inbox as often or as little as you want. They may read it, they may not, If you're depending on what type of content. But the reality of it is, is that is an asset that you own. And to me, you need to be able to build your email list as part of that profit. Because if, for example, you had 10,000 people uh, go to you, that, that blog article about the loneliness of motherhood, you don't want to lose all those people that have just, you've worked hard to get them to your website and to that conversional website. But the piece that you're missing is how do you then convert them and into, do you know what I mean, a potential customer or whatever. And that's what you want to get them on the, your list. So when I look at building your e- list building, it's one of those things, again, on your homepage, which we talked about on pillar two is, you know, have an opt-in, all right? Start list building there. Mm-hmm. And every blog article you have, have a content upgrade. If you have a podcast, now I don't do this well, it's on, it's on my to-do list, but I know you do now, Stevie, you just started doing it is have a download, all right? Downloadable on there, all right? There's a million different ways that you can start to email list building. If you have a Facebook, Facebook group, for example, one of the questions that you can ask is, would you like to stay up to date with all my latest news articles, etc.? If so, leave your email, you can build them, your email list there. There are multiple ways that you to build your email list. But if you don't have an email list, and Facebook closed down, I go back to that, how are you going to have a business? How is it going to be sustainable and profitable? Yeah. So to me, you really need to be thinking about, again, that profit pillar, uh, uh, number four about yeah, list building. And I think the other thing as well, like, I don't think Facebook and Instagram are going anywhere, you know, like realistically, but who knows. But another point in relation to that is really the fact that email converts like way, way more than social media. And I can speak from personal experience with this. My email list is pretty much what drives my business. Even though I'm a social media person, people don't buy. This is going to change specifically with e-commerce in the near future, but people don't buy directly from Instagram or Facebook or whatever. It's just not the way that people work. It's really like if you if you send an email to someone 
the conversion rates that you get through email are so much higher than what you would get through social media. So it's your sales tool at the end of the day. It is 100% your sales tool, you know? Yeah. And it's, again, remember, you need multiple touch points with consumers and clients, right? So if if your Facebook posts, let's just say if we're lucky, 5% of people see your Facebook posts, all right, the other 95% aren't Mm. hearing from you. So you need to have your backup plan and not blame Facebook or Instagram for not getting to your people. And your backup plan is being able to create your email list, which is, again, part of that foundational structure you need to be able to, again, sell, grow, stay connected connected, get in, get in front of them. So yeah, so that's profit, you know, profit pillar number four is around the list building. So the next question that a lot of people have is, okay, cool. I've got an email list. What do I do with it? Does that lead into the next profit pillar? Absolutely. Yeah. So that goes into like, okay, if you like, I've got people have come to this, like I've got 6,000 people on my email list. I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. How often are you emailing them? What are you doing with them? Oh, nothing. Yeah. I'm like, what? You're sitting on a freaking gold mine. What do you mean? You- <laughs> I'm guilty of that. I did that for the first year of my business. Yeah, because again, you don't know what you don't know, yeah. right? So it's like you you deep down, you know, you should be doing something. Like you probably have been like, shit, I got these people. Like, what do I do with it? But then you're like, okay, it's too hard basket. Yeah. So it's like, you don't know what you don't know. But exactly, it does lead into, you know, um, profit pillar number five, which is again, you need a funnel. So you need to be looking at your top end of your funnel. You know, again, how are you warming them? What are you doing? And you're doing that with, you know, your content upgrade, you know, through the Facebook group, etc. And then you need yeah. to start bringing them up. And, yes. you know, people, I think, overcomplicate funnels. Like I think they think the word funnel and they start to freak out. But you need to know it's like really it could be one step or like two or three steps that are leading them to something. It could be four or five steps, but you need that funnel in order to move your subscribers, you know, from your freebie to your paid service, you know, and really you want a funnel that's going to do this without any sleaziness or pushiness, right? So again, like, just people get overwhelmed with funnel. It's basically just a system for selling. So it's like taking people from a stranger to a purchaser. That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. That's like and that's, it can be as simple or as hard as you want it to be. Yeah, and depending on how again your your consumers, do you know what I mean? Like if you've got a higher end product, so if you've got a ten thousand dollar product, you're probably gonna need a bit more of a complex sales funnel, right? Because you're gonna need more touch points. But yeah. if you're just selling, say, like an e-commerce, let's just say a wooden toy, like I used to, it's like if birthdays are coming, like they either want it or they don't. Like it's not really yeah. that complicated of a funnel. You just have to keep being in front of them via your email. So to me, uh, profit pillar number um, five is really about, you know, making some simplified sales funnels for you in order for you to then increase your revenue and your profit margins, which then helps you to be sustainable and profitable. So without a funnel, uh, again, you're then not using your email list. And like, again, you start to see how those foundational cracks will start to show within your business. You're like crossing your fingers and just hoping that people will buy, like taking a deep breath and saying, I really hope that people come across me and buy, you know what I mean? So yeah. I even know so when one I started that I get a lot with the funnel side of things. And I don't know if you have any examples, Ange, but like maybe like a really simple example of a funnel for an e-commerce business and then also for a service business. Yeah. Yep. So uh, let's start with the service business. So my funnel would be, let's say my Facebook group, which is the Australian Business Collaborative. They can then keep in mind, they don't have to give me their email in order to get Mm. into the group. But let's just say they did give me their email. 
I would then do, hey, welcome to the Australian Business Collaborative. Super excited to be here. You know, this is what the community does. That's it. So I'm not selling yeah. anything. Then a few days later, again, I don't have it in front of me, but let's just say day five, I then send them all my free resources. So since you've joined Australian Business Collaborative and told me that you're a business owner, I just wanted to give you some tools that might help your business yeah, thrive to grow a sustainable, profitable business. Uh, depending on how you consume information, you can listen to my podcast, you can read my blog articles, or again, you know, come back to the group, right? So I'm adding value. And I think I've also got a free resource page, right? So then yeah, a few days later, or maybe like five days later, uh, as then I then go into a little bit about me, like, this is what I do, th- like adding my credibility. And then the last thing I lead them to a free 30 minute discovery call with me. So I've brought them, I've, I've added value, I've added touch points, I've added credibility. Yeah. And now I'm saying, okay, this is how I can help you. This is this is my paid offer. So that's an example for that. That's great. That's an awesome example. It's just warming people up. Like it's the no like trust kind of thing especially with a service-based business that's so so important and it's not sleazy to you know if they're the right person they work with you right 100 and that's a it's a way not only for me to get in front of them but it's also a way for them to go is she the right person to help me like do i like her Mm. personality do i like her vibe is she adding value or is she just wanting to sell like i'm a firm believer that my sales bundles are quite they're just like quite friendly quite fun you know and that's what i'm about and that's how i work with people now an e-commerce platform with finley and me i potentially would have my blog article the loneliness of motherhood i then would have a content upgrade so it could be like your 10 checklists uh, 10 ways that you can get out of your loneliness funk. Let's say that. So then they would uh, sign up for that particular downloadable. From there, I might do the yep. same thing like, hey, grab your downloadable. Hey, did you know that you're not, you don't have to do this alone? Uh, give them another article maybe about depression and anxiety in another email. Um, and then I might lead yes. them to my 30 days, 30 ways uh, self-care challenge. All right, which will yeah. be about bringing connection community. And then within that challenge, the, the bottom mm-hmm. end of the funnel is that I'm selling them into some one-to-one uh, life coaching support. All right. So that's a simpler way. Now that's now when we say e-commerce, that's towards the moms. Cause remember my moms are also one of my ideal clients, but they're buying for their kids. If I was to sell a wooden toy, it could be that, um, I get them in again on say the top 10, top 10 toys, top 10 wooden toys you need for 2019. There's then at the bottom of that and a content upgrade, which might be rainy day craft activities to do with your kids. So I'm adding value about the toys. So I'm showcasing that, but I'm getting them into my email by giving them a rainy day thing, because as moms, we all need things to do on rainy days. They then go into a funnel where, again, I'm saying, hi, how are you? I let them know who I am. And then I'm going to give them a 15% off discount code to go back and buy at the store. Yeah, perfect. So so I hope that helps with a few different examples. Yeah, I think that will help a lot of people because it's hard, you know, to you get the concept of it. But then it's like, how do I actually tangibly do that in my model of business? Yeah, 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 100%. Okay, so the next profit pillar is something that is relevant to me at the moment, which is... Yes. Hiring your dream team. So (laughs) at this stage, you know, we're at profit pillar six. Um, You're going, okay, great. I've been doing this shit alone for a long time. Like I've got my website up. That's been done. I've got my profit pillars. I know what's going on. I know what my product is. It's a great product. I've got my content rocking. I'm building my email Mm -hmm. list. I'm sending a newsletter out. I've got my funnel down. I'm seeing, you know, a higher profit. But now I'm at the point where you've gone, you're getting on the brink of, I look at businesses three, you've got foundation, stage one, 
Stage two is growth. Stage three is scale. So now you're getting at the end of the profit pillars where your house is just about built. And what's happening here is, is that you'd pretty much need to start looking at hiring your dream team because, and it doesn't have to happen overnight, it might be hiring one person. But things that when you hire your dream team, again, we talk about the tangible how to Stevie is that you really need to start writing out a list of every task that you are doing. Um, And then start to writing out the tasks that you love to do and that you want to keep doing, but then start going, okay, I actually don't like these tasks. This isn't going to allow me to work on growing my business and start looking at what you could free up. From that list, what you're going to do is start building a position description. And it's really important to know that not all Mm -hmm. people can do one position description. It's also important to know when you're hiring your dream team, if you miss these steps about identifying tasks and creating position descriptions and, you know, processes in place, your VAs will fail. And so many people, again, will want to blame, oh my, I hired a VA because that's what everyone told me to do, but it didn't work out. And I'm on my seventh VA. I'm like, again, <laughs> yeah. you're pointing at the VA, but what, you, you need three fingers. You're are, on your seventh VA, there's an issue. <laughs> like there's a problem here, right? And what people do is, is they've been told to go hire their dream team, yeah. but they don't have their processes and systems in place. Now, I'm not saying you have to have everything in place, but again, by starting out what tasks that they need to do and creating a position description, You then are able to then hire based on need versus emotion. And so it's really important to like, you know, I just hired my VA and specifically she's helping me with my group, running my newsletter, doing some posting, you know, et cetera. She knows exactly what she does. The second thing is, is people then go, well, where do I look at hiring my dream team? Or do do I do an Australian VA? Do I do an overseas VA? And I go, you need to really start with what the task is and what your budget is. Now, there might be some people listening that want to throw jars and Nutella at my head, and I'm okay with that. But I've got VAs in the Philippines, and I equally have Australian VAs. I hire based on, again, description and need. Um, I also think it's important. Well, some people might say, yeah, but you're taking away from the Australian economy. Well, no, we're all one world. We all, do you know what I mean? We all work together here. And the way I look mm-hmm. at it is of the women that I've been able to support in the Philippines, because they've been able to support me, is they make more money than their husbands. They get the same things that we want. They're staying home with their kids. Um, and they're also building their self-esteem. A couple of mine, they make more money than their husbands. They don't have to go sell food on the street when they don't know if they're going to make any money for their kid that day. They get a, you know, like they're and for yes that I'm paying them a lower hourly rate per se to what Australians are but they're actually making gold for what's happening what's available for their country so really look at your budget you know uh, you can you hire you know, a $50 VA in Australia. And if you can, that's great. But most businesses starting out really can't. And that's where they're like, well, I'll just keep doing it myself. But what people don't know is you can hire VAs in the Philippines for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten dollars an hour based again yeah. on their skill set. Um, so, you know, and you can do that via Upwork. You can do that via Fiverr. There's a variety of ways. But again, if you don't have a position description, it's probably going to fall over. If you aren't prepared to train them and if you just think that you can hire someone and then it's done, you're in the middle of this right now training people, you've got to put the time aside to train them. But my one VA who's been doing my social media now for, oh gosh, three or four years, I think, with Finley and me, like we trained her for the first three weeks and since then, I I do not look at anything she posts. She posts three times a day, seven days a week. And for those of you out there, I pay her 42 US dollars to do that. All right, which is about $53. So I'm getting 21 Facebook posts done every single week. 
over on my Facebook to keep my engagement up, keep that communal stuff that Facebook, mm. you know what I mean, to help keep the algorithm happy for like 50 something dollars. That is it. All right. But mm. she is. I, I think that comes to like processes and systems. Like I'm finding that I didn't have a single process or system in my business until recently because I did everything myself. Yep. But it's almost forced me to actually put them together and like hiring people is almost like the, it's almost, well, it is for me at least. It's like it's actually made me go and put the systems and processes in place that I need to in order for them to succeed with what they're doing. 100%. And I guess so. And that's where, again, the profit pillar here is not just about hiring your dream team. It's also about being able to look at your systems that are going to be necessary for that future growth. Yep. So yeah, and that's again, but yeah, you, you need to start being able to go, you can't continue to do this on your own. You're going to need support to come in, start little, it might be a VA that works for you for two hours a week, that could be from the Philippines. So it's costing you say $12 a week to have this. But once you start to get a taste of it, and you start to see it working as you're starting to see and I see yeah it is life-changing because that's where you get to move to the growth stage because yeah, you're not going to be able to do this on your own and then I guess it kind of leads into the last you know the seventh profit pillar and that's around being productive and profitable and in order to be productive and profitable you know you really need to look at your revenue projection and your cash flow so you need to be looking at your numbers on a day like you know however you do it I look at them on a weekly and monthly basis mm. and when we you might say well what numbers are you talking about Ange? and that's looking at like your Google Analytics numbers, you know, what blog articles and content pieces did really well so you can write more of that type of content. How many people went to your site? Where were they looking? Did they convert? Did they not convert? How long were they on your website for? Also looking at, you know, like what money came in? What were your expenses? What money came out? So, you know, this you know, you're always kind of looking at this, but in really to kind of get to the, to complete that house of yours, you're going to need to get a grasp on your profitability here. You also need to look at like what your revenue goals are, setting income targets. Um, but also in order to do that, you're going to have to start mastering your schedule and staying on top of your own priorities because now you're going to be outsourcing to your team. Um, but again, this is where you, you're working less on in your business and working more on your business. So it's going to be super important with that profit pillar seven, when you need to be productive and profitable. Another thing that I do is I, I do two things. I do a uh, power hour in the morning. Sometimes it's only 30 minutes where I will sit down, everything's off, and we look at the three most ROI making tasks that need to be done first before we go into do you know I mean, anything else. Um, and yeah. if, if you can get into the habit of that, um, I promise you it has been magic yeah. for my business and it's magic for Gosh, a lot of the clients awesome, also. Ange. Like in terms of a lot of the earlier profit pillars are so relevant to pretty much what I talk about with the digital marketing side of things, like having a website and not just sending traffic to, you know, a low converting website, having things like a sales funnel, having content, but actually having a purpose behind it. And then I think it's so useful, particularly for me and where I'm at at the moment, the last few, like around, particularly around hiring, around profitability, around things like making sure that everything that you're doing is tracked, I guess, in terms of knowing your numbers. I think that's such a solid framework for businesses at all stages. Like I'm coming into obviously my second year, but it's such a solid framework for anyone that, yeah, I think is in pretty much any stage of business. So thank you. 
It's actually very, very welcome. And, and I think again, there you said it's like, it doesn't matter where you are in business, you can still always go back to any of the seven profit pillars mm. and see where the leaks are, yeah. right? Because nothing will ever be perfect. Um, but once you build those seven profit pillars, and once you build that stable foundation and structure, it's easy to go back and fix a few leaks. But if your whole business is leaky, or your whole business is going to collapse, that's where you run into the problem. So yeah, so I can't emphasize enough about the importance of building the foundational elements necessary to grow that sustainable and profitable business. Yes, amazing. Now, if people want to know more about this in particular, I think you have something coming up that might help them. Yeah, absolutely. So I am doing a uh, 60 minute on demand masterclass. And it's what I'm looking here at in this masterclass is being able to help you with um, and sharing with you my signature four step framework for creating a sustainable and profitable business, I guess, without sacrificing time with your kids, without the overwhelm or without wasting any more cash on trying to figure things out. I also dive deep in the masterclass about the four. Again, I talk more about the four big mistakes that everyone's making in business. But I also talk about what is working for businesses now and why most of what you're being taught and growing a business is updated or wrong. And yeah, people can sign up for the on-demand masterclass by heading to, and we'll give the link um, in the show notes, but to bit.ly backslash masterclass with Angela Henderson. So yes. Awesome. Get in there guys. And yeah, I'll have all of the links to pretty much everything that we referred to as well at stevie says social.com forward slash 69. But Thank you so much, Ange. That was helpful, I think, for everyone, but also helpful for me. So I really appreciate it. Gosh, no worries at all, Stevie. Have an awesome day. And thanks so much for having me on the podcast.